Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, my money-saving comrades. My name's Graham Clark, and I'm excited to be with you again this week on the Money Stepper Savings Challenge podcast. This is a podcast made by the Money Steppers Savings Community for the Money Stepper Savings Community. It's designed to help us all achieve the goals that we've set for the 2015 Savings Challenge and make that journey to financial freedom much more friendly and enjoyable. Are you ready? Let's get going. It's tangible. It's solid. It's beautiful. It's artistic from my standpoint. Today's quote of the week comes from Donald Trump. What's he talking about? Well, he is talking about real estate, about property investment. That's what we're going to be speaking about today on today's podcast. Today is another interview session, and today we have Kylie from DIY to propertyinvestor.co.uk with us. Um, she joined the challenge, we'll discuss this, but she joined the challenge in late January, just before month end, so she didn't actually post any results for January, and she'll start with kind of an 11-month pro rata going forward. Um, I highlight that because for anyone listening who's wondering whether it's too late to join, it's never too late to join the Money Stepper Savings Challenge. All we ask you to do is set your goals accordingly. You can kind of look how you've done year to date so far, build your goals appropriately for the rest of the year, and then we'll work towards those goals together. Now, before we jump into the interview, uh, we have a great offer for you guys, for the participants in the challenge, for the listeners to this podcast and for the readers of moneystepper.com. We have around 25 at the minute free tickets to give away for the Master Investor Conference 2015. This is a conference, as as the name suggests, uh, aimed at investors, people who are interested in investing in finance. Uh, It's on Saturday the 25th of April 2015 and it'll be held in London. We've recently written an article on the benefits of attending conferences and one of the key ones is the speakers who are there and what you can learn from them. And there's a raft of great keynote speakers at Master Investor Conference this year. They've got Jim Mellon, who entrepreneur and former fund manager worth $850 million or so in the Times Rich List. You've got Nigel Farage, who's given a speech just before the UK election 2015. Uh, Merrin Somerset Webb, editor-in-chief of Money Week. Uh, Evil Knievel, James Ferguson. There's even other interesting things going on. On Zach Meir, for instance, is holding a training session for young investors. So if you want to get the kids involved, you can do that as well. So if you've got an interest in investing, 
and you're free on Saturday the 25th of April, then why not head down? All you have to do is head on over to moneystepper.com forward slash masterinvestor and that'll take you straight to the tickets page with the promotional code already applied and you'll be able to get up to four tickets, which are usually worth £20 each, completely free. Great, so let's head straight into it. Here's the interview with Kylie. Great, so we're joined today on the Money Stepper Savings Challenge podcast by Kylie. So in classic Scylla Black style Kylie, um, I probably won't try and do the accent, but what's your name and where do you come from? Um, so clearly name gives it away. Um, I'm from Australia. Uh, I left Australia when I was 23. Um, I'm now 41, so that's about 17 years ago. Okay, um, okay. I initially just intended to come over here for a couple of years and go back home again but somehow I've got stuck here oh no <laughs> <laughs> and people are always saying why are you living here when you're from Australia and oh so many reasons um but I have um so my background is I'm a qualified IT professional type um and I do contracting work mostly in the financial services industry okay. uh, which pays me nice um and I've been doing that for 20 years Right, okay, certainly experienced in that area. Yeah, um, but the thing that uh, that has allowed me to do is to save uh, big sums of money and use that to do other fun stuff that I really like doing. Such as? Um, Travelling a lot. Um, Excellent, partying. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But what it meant was about 10 years ago I bought my first property and it was an absolute wreck. It was a probate property. Um, and all the developers were putting in silly bids and because we were owner occupiers we were able to put in just a little bit more and we got that one and okay a slightly less silly bid <laughs> yeah slight, you know just above what they they were going to pay but it was uh, it was still not very much money even when you look back 10 years ago it was still not very much money okay. um, but it uh, needed everything doing um, so we did that one up sold that one and I've done it again and I'm about to do it again. Okay, you're addicted. <laughs> I just, I like taking stuff that's really bad and making it really nice. That's, <laughs> Is that why you're recording this podcast with this guy? <laughs> <laughs> um, and you're kind of journaling your progress as well, aren't you? On your yeah, so on, on, the, on the property that we're, so we're just selling the one now that we finished last year. And my other half did a... A very, very detailed blog, photo journal style. Um, And when we got to the end of that one, I decided it was all my money that we'd use to do the renovation. So I extracted all that money back out of it by remortgaging it and started actually doing proper property investment, not just the property that I was living in. And when I started, I knew nothing about property investing other than DIY stuff. So I was kind of like, well, I'm sure there's lots of other people who want to know how to go from DIY to property investing proper. So I have basically kept it as a journal and just to make it really obvious that it's not really as easy as some people make out. Um, and even with, you know, all the advice in the world, stuff still goes wrong and, you know, you're still tearing your hair out. So it's, it's, it's trying to just keep it real um, and show that anyone can do it as long as they, they really want to do it. I've checked out myself in the f- past few weeks uh, since you've joined the challenge and it, it's, it's a really good kind of um, insight into what what you guys are doing there so i'll add the uh i'll add the link into the show notes for anyone listening 
Um, the other good thing that I noticed is after reading that, I kind of got inspired to read a bit more and had a search on Google for some other similar type blogs or kind of where people are journaling or recording their, their progress. And there's not a great deal out there, actually. You seem to be quite unique in what you're doing there, Kylie. Yeah, there's um, Sam Collette, who she's like a Sarah Beanie to me. She's uh, she's where I want to be. Right. And she's she's in a very similar style as tells it how it is. Um, and what she's actually doing, she buys a lot of property through through auction, and it's her full time job is renovating property and, and either flipping them or selling them, or sorry, flipping them or, or renting them out again. And that's where I want to move to. Um, but you're right. There's not much out there. Even when I was doing the DIY renovations, and I was looking for other people doing DIY renovations just on the owner occupier level, there was not very much out there. No. Uh, doesn't seem to be something that people want to share for whatever reason yeah i guess maybe it's quite personal for people but with all these things if someone is sharing there's a lot that we can learn from so thanks for <laughs> thanks for sharing your, your progress it's quite uh, it's quite time consuming as well <laughs> that's um, very true <laughs> and i'm going to so the, the, the most of my blog at the moment is more about the the investment properties but i am going to blog the next renovation project that we do the which i'm buying as my home because that's really the stuff I love and I think that, that people re- can relate a lot to, you know, the decisions that go into doing stuff for yourself but also make, using it, you know, making those decisions with your business hat on um, yeah. because we will ultimately be selling that in a couple of years and so everything we decide on has to be made with consideration. So, you know, we can do some things that we want but we will always think about, you know, is this adding value, et cetera, et cetera. Great. Well, I look forward to following that journey as well. Um, so let's talk about the the Money Stepper Savings Challenge. Um, why did you want to join? Kylie actually joined at the end of January, is that right, Kylie? From, from yeah. Memory. So um, just for anyone who's listening who hasn't yet joined, uh, it's still open and you can join any time during the year, uh, as Kylie has. But um, Kylie, can you share why, why you're interested in this? Yeah, so a lot of my reasons will be fairly similar to a lot of other people. So for the accountability, um, the motivation, and to be able to track my progress. But then a bigger one was I don't. None of my friends save money. None of them do property. None of them talk about money. Um, and so I find it really difficult to to even you know bring that up in a conversation. Um, my family back home they talk about money. It's it's not off the table in Australia, but you know the English culture it's it's not something that's talked about a lot. And so finding a group of people, you know, virtual people, um, who are willing to talk about the challenges we're saving and, and what helps them get through to the end of the month, you know, is, is really inspirational just uh, if you don't have anyone in your network of friends that, that talks about it. Yeah, very um, much so. I, I find that it's twofold. Either people aren't willing to talk about their finances, but even more people just don't want to, something that's not particularly of interest to them. So. You don't want to go on about it, do you, and bore the people you're speaking to in your group of friends. So it's... And I think, too, a lot of my friends like haven't, just don't get the whole property thing that I do, right? So as soon as I start talking about property or money or anything, they, they just disengage. From, <laughs> and they also kind of go, well, oh, you're so lucky, you're so successful, you've already got, you know, X number of properties. And I'm like, well, you know, it didn't come by chance. Yeah, you've worked hard to get there, yeah. Yeah, and but they don't appreciate that. So even if you start saying to them, oh, well, you could do this, they just, again, the eyes just glaze so um just you know having a being in contact with other people who have the same kind of values is really important yeah i definitely agree it's part of the reason i set it up in the first place to to profit from that myself um excellent okay and so 
we tend to ask people what their focus is is in the challenge. Um, I'm guessing yours is to do with your property. <laughs> Funnily enough, it's not. Okay. <laughs> um, so my, my big focus last year was to get my property portfolio off, off the ground and I had a big pot of money to do that with. And this year I don't have that big pot of money. Um, and that's going to tick along slowly as I save. But I want to actually diversify. So um, I only just started a pension last year. Okay. Um, I've only just started a stocks and shares ISA this month. Um, I have some money in funding circle more as an experiment. So I just want to do that more traditional um, investing. I know nothing about stocks and shares or, you know, investing in that pure sense. Uh, so I figured that this would be a really good way of helping me keep on track with kind of learning about all that kind of stuff. And so really the, the savings challenge is more for that stocks and shares investment type activity rather than the property stuff per se. So it's good that you can learn from other people, hopefully, in the challenge who have already got that kind of experience in their belt. They've kind of made the mistakes in stock investing and now they're kind of doing it the right way, equally with their pensions and that kind of thing. And hopefully people can learn from you for the property side yeah. of things. Yeah, actually, a few a few weeks ago, maybe a few months ago now, um, I don't know if you followed, do you follow the property podcast and Rob and Rob and the stuff um, they're doing? Yep. Um, I, I am a guest poster on their site as well and, and I did a bit of research into diversification amongst property owners and yep. you're certainly not alone in that I no. think um, <laughs> people tend to once they get into property they get carried away they yeah. well not carried away but they, they tend to try and look for ways to take equity out of their properties to reinvest into more property and more property and when you think about your overall asset allocation a lot of people have got a lot of money invested in not just property, but specifically in one or two specific properties. Mostly it's with their own home, but even investors beyond that. I know you've you've currently got four properties, is that right? So I've got, yeah, I bought four last year and I've got one deal that I'm due to exchange on, which is an off-plan deal, right. um, and then obviously my own home. Okay, so kind of investments or money invested in 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 six, or we'll have six properties, and they're across the country as well, I saw on your on. on on the blog so that you kind of yeah. diversified geographically yeah they're all over the place <laughs> one mistake a lot of people make is they buy a lot in their area which is fine because they they know their area and that's kind of where they want to get started with with the property but if you break down their their asset allocation across all their classes they've got maybe 90 or 95 percent of their of their net worth invested in property which isn't the best from a diversification standpoint so yeah, and I think a lot of that comes down to what I was saying about the education is you spend so much time educating yourself about property investment and yields and et cetera and et cetera that by the time you start at that, you're kind of like, oh, God, now I have to go and teach myself about stocks and shares <laughs> and the U.S. market and the U.K. market and emerging technologies and all this kind of stuff. And you just go, oh, you know what? The returns is good enough in property. I'll just stick with it. Stick with what I know, yeah. <laughs> Well, hopefully, um, hopefully, money stepper and the ch- and the and the challenge can make that a little bit easier to tr- to uh, pick up the knowledge in those other areas. So you said that 2014, you were based on your goals were based around building your property portfolio. Yeah. As far as the numbers and what you're trying to achieve overall with your net worth and what you're saving this year, are they a big jump compared to what you were tr- what you achieved in 2014? Um, they're probably actually less. Okay. <laughs> um, I didn't. I never tracked my net, net my net wealth, but each of the properties that I've bought have been at a discount, so they have an inherent net wealth 
um, percentage built into them, you'd say. Um, I did track my savings only because there was a Mr. Money Mustache um, blog that Rob Dix then kind of repackaged into a property hub blog post about saving 50% of your um, income. So I... That was my goal last year to save 50% of my income to put towards my property purchases, which I did and did easily. So I then increased uh, this year, I've put it at 60% savings, which I still think is a little bit conservative. Um, and I've gone for 10% net wealth. Again, maybe a little bit conservative, but I'm going to review those every quarter based on kind of what's happening just to see where that goes. And that's something we're going to be doing for, for everyone in the Savings Challenge that I'm going to send an email or follow up with everyone at the end of each quarter to see how they're progressing against their net worth and against their savings rate. And if, if we can elevate those those savings rates and those net worth a little bit, then all the better. Yeah. And what are you worried about in 2015? What do you think will be your biggest obstacle to achieving those goals, to achieving the 60% savings rate and the 10% net worth? Um, so I'm in the process at the moment of buying um, a new property to live in. Um, that property <laughs> uh, needs a hell of a lot of work done on it. So if that property um, doesn't get purchased and all the renovation work completed in 2015, I will have spent a lot of money on it and that won't be reflected in my net wealth. So either Two, two problems, either the project not completing within the year so that it can reflect, or number two, just that the budget goes way out of control and above what I'd expect it to. Right, yeah. So can, can we delve a little bit further into, I suppose, almost into the accounting of that? So when you spend the money on the on the improvements to the property, obviously you've got the money coming out of your cash there, but you wouldn't build that into the value of the property until it's finished, is that right? Correct, yeah. Um, and then I would get it valued properly. So what I did with the property that I've just finished now is we bought it at a set price, paid for all the renovations, and literally when it was done and finished, I got someone around and got a valuation done. And then I knew what my actual net worth was, you know, what the market value of the property was, minus a little bit because it's an asking price. Um, and then I actually knew the value of the asset. Um, so I don't think it's a realistic expectation that you can just take the property price past the renovation because the market can also have gone down. So you need to know exactly what it is that the market would pay for it um, and hope that I was right in choosing the property in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's the, the right way to do it. Kind of, that's, that's how I do it for my own portfolio, my um, investments as well. I know that some people update theirs monthly depending on prices from Zillow or, or right move in the area, but I think it's probably best to be accurate and wait for those valuations when you get them done, the surveys when you get them done to, to reflect that in the net worth. So I'd agree with what you're doing there. And the one that I'm, uh, I've just uh, put the deposit down for the off-plan deal, I will count that as just like for like. So it's gone out of cash, but it's now an asset that I own 20% because that's how much the deposit is. So right. it, it's got a guaranteed deposit. So if the developer pulls out at whatever point, I will still get that money back. So it's still mine. Yeah, it just moves uh, one line. <laughs> exactly. In the assets. Okay, great. Another question we ask everyone who comes on, and I've, I've explained mine in the past quite a lot about uh, drinking wine and eating steak on a balcony in France. But uh, do you have a financial dream? Is there something you look towards in the long term that you're that kind of keeps you going on the day to day? Uh, I have lots. <laughs> so steak and wine definitely goes into it. Um, probably more likely to be in a balcony in Australia, but um, definitely there. 
So my biggest thing is travel and more adventure travel. So, for example, this year we're going cycling in Vietnam. Um, um, and, and I'd like to incorporate being able to basically travel the world all year round at a month at a time and still being able to work but just a couple of hours a day kind of thing, um, you know, keeping things running, whether that's property portfolio or some other business or, or whatever that happens to be. Um, I also want to move into better or bigger property development things like taking old nursing homes and doing those conversions so it's very much conversion work rather than new build stuff okay, okay. On bigger projects yeah exactly um and then to uh, keep my social conscience at bay um i've got two big plans one which is to have a homeless shelter in the uk so i work with uh, a volunteer with crisis um which is a homeless charity here in in london um and so i'd love to run a, a free uh, homeless shelter and I've also worked with vulnerable children in Africa and I've always wanted to go back there one day and do um, kind of a vacational program for the kids once they get out of high school Okay, very interesting and when do you have kind of a time frame or horizon when you kind of want to start looking towards those goals? Um, looking towards being able to do the living anywhere travel stuff in about 10 years time Excellent and somehow the property development stuff has to fit into that. So whether it's being in the UK for six months of the year and travelling for six months, um, I'm not really fixed on how that works. I think you could probably manage that, spend the summer in the, in yeah. the UK and uh, when it gets cold, clear off for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a good idea. <laughs> I'm just going to ask you because I'm actually interested in myself, the cycling holiday around Vietnam, that sounds good. What have you got planned there? Um, so we're probably so my other half isn't as much into the adventure travel as I would like him to be, so he likes to have all things booked. Um, so we will probably just book onto a an organised trip that just cycles um, every day. It's just a coast to coast kind of uh, two weeks, easy peasy. Easy peasy. <laughs> I think the coast to coast Vietnam's maybe maybe longer than the coast to coast in the UK. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm doing that myself in uh, the start of May, so I'm looking forward to doing that and cycling that. But yeah, I'm pretty jealous of that trip in Vietnam. That sounds excellent. Yeah. Okay, so we've got that, those long-term dreams, and to get there, you know, we have to get through the month on month, every month. So how are we doing this month in February so far, Carly? So I only listened to your February Challenge podcast last week, so then I was like, shit, better get the roller skates on. <laughs> so <laughs> I added some affiliate marketing links onto my website, which has had no effect. So then I was like, uh-oh, something else. So I've tried some online surveys. Uh, to be fair, they just drive me mad. <laughs> <laughs> so I did one more thing that I've been waiting to do for ages, which is I have an old monitor um, here and I threw it up on Gumtree on Sunday and it sold and it's being picked up tomorrow. So that's 100 quid in my pocket. Perfect. Well done. So yep. February challenge complete. Yeah, as long as she turns up and, you know, hands me the Yeah, up. that's true. <laughs> <laughs> on the third attempt, it got through. Um, <laughs> I, I like the comment you've made there, Carly, on surveys. I, I find oh. it the same. I've posted in the past on Money Stepper how they are quite frustrating, aren't they? And you do yeah. all that and then you end up earning uh, 60p for your troubles. And yeah, no. <laughs> I did one about uh, fridges and washing machines in the kitchen. The first question is, you know, how much would you rate this? And I said, never would I buy this. And then you've got to answer six more questions about what your preference is. You're like, didn't you hear me? <laughs> I'm never going to buy this. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> Just before this, we started recording this podcast um, and it's a post which will be out on friday of this week this podcast will come out on the thursday and then the friday i'll be releasing this post there's 
um, a site called usertesting.com where you kind of, it's almost like a survey, but you you go onto a certain website that a client wants to have reviewed mm-hmm. and you kind of record a video just while you're doing it. So you say your thoughts, you say, okay, I think that bit looks a bit ugly or I like this part of the site. It's really easy to navigate. This caught my eye. I'm doing this now. This is what I'm doing. And you can kind of record a video and it takes 10 to 15 minutes and it seems like the fees for that are a little bit better than, than they are for the survey. So that's mm-hmm. actually how I'm going to try and try and uh, get my February challenge completed. I'm going to perform one of those in the next week. So, um, I used to work for Rightmove and they did um, user interface testing and they bring people in. So they, I think they did maybe 30 minutes and they used to pay them £40 in M&S vouchers or Amazon vouchers. Right, yeah. But that's in person, obviously. You have to go to their office, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I guess the benefit of this, you can do it on the couch. I don't think it's yeah. quite quite as well paid, but if it's reasonably well paid and you can do it in your pants, then, uh, <laughs> then all the better. <laughs> Rightio. Um, super. And as far as against your general goals for February, um, I don't, don't know um, if you've chalked anything up yet or if you've got any idea how you're going to get on there. Yeah, I should be okay. So the, the only one I, I don't really know about is the net worth one because uh, a lot of that's tied to the pensions and the ISA that I'm investing in. Certainly the savings is not a problem, um, but the you know, I need to see how the net worth pans out. Um, and I'm a bit like you too, that my work is contract work, so my expenses and my income varies month to month based on how many days I do and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, um, so that's quite difficult to keep track of, isn't it, over well in the short term because it varies so much but as long as we keep an eye on our behavior in the short term we look at the finances in the over the longer term over the course of two or three months and i think that works well yeah, I, I do different though to you i um, actually pay myself a dividend every month um just because i want to be able to be sure that i'm hitting my savings targets right okay that's a good idea yeah yeah maybe i'll start doing that as well <laughs> thanks for the idea <laughs> great okay so um let's have a talk about any advice or I guess as you've started to look more into your pensions and your stocks and shares ISA maybe you've you've read something or seen something in the last few months but generally is is there a good piece of financial advice or the best piece of financial advice that you've received in the last few months? Um, I have a piece of advice it's not really in the context of financial but it can be applied to financial okay. um, which is so I've just started getting fit again which has been one of those another one of those goals that I have to achieve this year Uh, but one of the things that I was been reading about is that um, they were suggesting that every week you set yourself a little a little goal to achieve i.e you know work out three times a week or four times a week and when you succeed or whether you don't when you get to the end of that week you reset and you start again so you don't carry over your successes and you don't carry over your failures because as soon as you start doing that you can get yourself off track especially if you keep missing a session or something yeah. and that's something I used to do all the time with my savings it's like oh man I didn't save you know enough this month I need to save even more next month and then that just kind of gets you into that really negative mindset whereas if you just keep going okay that week's over forget it and start again it's actually much easier to to achieve um the small little goals every time well, that's quite interesting that's probably something we'll have to uh considering the money savings <laughs> challenge because we are looking for the year but i think to be able to address that maybe if we have a look at um we keeping those goals flexible and kind of we can restart at certain points if we've had some some kind of disaster or something bad that's happened in one month then you know we reset those goals for the rest of the year and we start working towards that again yeah i think for me it's just the mindset of okay that month's over start again rather than the actual 
um, I don't need to make it up. It's just that mindset of not getting too negative about the fact that last month you didn't meet your goal. Yeah, I've suffered that myself, certainly in the fitness area, and you can kind of get disheartened and just stop it completely. That's the risk, isn't it, that you, that you just uh, you give up completely because you yeah. missed in one in one month. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Um, so other than your own, other than uh, DIY to property investor, is there any other, you've mentioned already, we've spoke about, about the property hub and we spoke about Mr. Money Mustache. Is there any other blogs or sites or apps or documentaries or anything else that you'd recommend for other people in the challenge? Yeah, so um, Meaningful Money uh, podcast and blog, Pete Matthews. Um, he's actually what started me on this whole kind of investing diversification um, journey um, in a I had never thought that I would actually ever, ever sign up to a pension. <laughs> um, well, I did, um, and thankful to Pete Matthew for you know identifying that I should do that. Um, also, Money to the Masses, which is um, Damien Fahi, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Um, and I've actually signed up to his 8020 Investor product, um, and which kind of identifies funds that are performing on a momentum basis. He's got loads of stuff on his site about that. Right, that sounds quite interesting. Can, yeah. you, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Um, so the momentum theory goes something like, and don't quote me on this, um, it looks at, so he's got his own little algorithm um, that works out funds that are doing well and doing well stably and have not dropped more than 5% over a set period, which I think is a month. Um, and then it compares those to others in its same kind of risk category. Um, and it says, okay, so which ones of these at the moment, you know, have the most momentum? And then his piece of software um, lists those so that you can go and obviously put some money in those ones. It also then has a stop loss on it in case it does lose more than 5% in a month. It sends you an automatic email saying, beep, 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 you know, this, this fund is, is losing money. Um, not necessarily that you have to go and pull your money out, but just to keep an eye on it. Um, so that's just part of my trying to educate myself about funds and investing. Um, yeah. I figured it would be good to have someone or someone else's advice rather than just me, you know, picking a straw out of the bucket. <laughs> yeah, certainly. I've um, I've not seen that uh, yet, so I'll, I'll head over there have a look. I'm I'm personally with my um, stock market investments extremely extremely passive. Mm. Um, I throw them into kind of in, into market ETFs and. Uh, sit back and then I'm not going to think about them again for 10, 20, 30 years and, until I take my money out of my pension. So I'll probably um, get to that point as well, but at the moment it's all novel and new and I kind of think, ooh, exciting. Uh, yeah, no, that's... that's you know, every every investor has, has kind of different, uh, different approaches and there's not one set approach that works for everyone, so it's good to kind of get yourself out there and try these different things. So yeah. if anyone's interested in that, that's moneytothemasses.com. Yep. Uh, we'll link to that in the show notes as well. And and yeah, if you're if you're learning about your pensions and stuff from Pete Matthew, then you're certainly le- learning from the right guy there. Yeah, um, awesome. He's recorded hundreds of videos on his site, and now the podcast is getting up to the hundreds as well. And yeah, Pete's actually a member of the challenge himself, so hopefully yeah, he'll be he'll be listening to this himself. <laughs> I was looking um, at his figures to see how he was doing. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Okay, our final part, our final question is kind of the roll forward question every week. So every time we have someone on for an interview, we ask them to pose a question for the next person coming on uh, on for an interview. So a couple of weeks ago, we had Chad Volta, who came on in session eight. 
Uh, and he posed, he was a bit greedy actually, asked two questions. Sorry, you have to have a word with him in the comments of, uh, of the next uh, blog post about this. But the first one was, uh, he asked, how do you find the balance between saving and rewarding yourself with fun money and celebrating the financial successes? So I'm a bit of a spreadsheet geek. Okay, just a geek. Um, <laughs> so for me, seeing the, the numbers in certain columns of my spreadsheets go up is, is almost like celebrating. Um, because <laughs> You are a geek. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I do exactly the same thing um, <laughs> because I'm a geek as well. <laughs> yeah, only if you've got that money with um, you know, something in mind. So whether it's a holiday or whether it's you know, buying another property or whatever you know, you're saving towards, um, knowing you're that little bit step closer. I mean, I have every month I calculate and recalculate you know, when I can buy my next property because you know, my spreadsheets are telling me, oh, you've got to earn you know, so much more, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the other way is I have a, a budget, a spending budget, my own budget, that is fairly um, fat. Um, and most often I don't actually use it so I can roll it over into next month or I can use it to save. So I'm, I think I'm quite lucky in that that the, I have the ability to save and also have quite a few celebrations along the way. I guess rewarding yourself with um, cycling trips across uh, Vietnam, although it doesn't sound like a reward to many people, I suppose. <laughs> but again, that's, <laughs> you're not into cycling. You know, that's in my budget as well, every month. Of course, yeah. hundred, you know, it goes into that. Yeah, excellent. Okay. And the other question he asked was, if you had any tips uh, to get a spouse or partner on board with your financial goals? Just kick them. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's the Australian way. Yeah. Um, so way back when I started on this uh, property journey last year to, to go into property investment, um, we had to go through a budgeting exercise. Again, thank you to Pete Matthew. Um, and we sat down as a couple and worked out what we need to run the household. Um, so that's groceries and all the bills and any little fun money for the two of us together. Um, and we, so we set up our own joint account to do that. And then we each have our own individual monthly budgets and then we each do our own savings for the property and whatever else. Um, so I think I'm quite lucky that both of us are trying to do the same thing at the one time. We're saving for different things, um, but we're equally committed to the household budget. And then, you know, if he goes, you know, overboard on his own individual budget, well, that's fine because that's his money. If, if if it was a single income family, that I think that becomes a little bit more difficult, and that's where you really need both people to talk about what their priorities are and and you know, take that into consideration when you're spending money. Yeah, communication's key. Yeah, um, I personally really like your approach. It's the same approach uh, me and my fiance take, and we we plan to take it uh, in the future because we manage our finances as as one. We have kind of we we work together. We have the same budget meeting once a month. Uh, budget meeting dates <laughs> something to look forward to every month and we discuss but we have kind of two separate spreadsheets and we both work together towards our own goals we both contribute kind of towards the household expenses and everything like that but as you were saying there you both have your own your own separate goals so if you kind of mess up yourself then you, it only impacts your goal and it doesn't impact your, your, your partners necessarily yeah and i think too for the for the two of us we're both contractors um, my other half is more freelance so if he decides not to work because he wants to um, so he does screencasting and online stuff um, but, if, but if he decides oh I'm not going to go and work for an end client for three weeks instead I'm going to sit at home and I'm going to work on an ebook. and if that doesn't pay off then it's not affecting my savings goals 
yeah. um, you know, that's his decision. He can make that because it's only going to affect his goals. I had the bad, bad experience of being married at some point and uh, didn't have this kind of a situation and was uh, didn't have a very good outcome. So <laughs> I guess it didn't end well, if you say, no. uh, at, at some point. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that, okay. that very much taught me to, to make sure that uh, there's an individual and a shared uh, budget. Great, excellent. Okay, um, and then to finish up then, Kylie, is there something you want to ask the rest of the community? Anything you want to get feedback on from both the guests who will come on in a couple of weeks' time and equally from anyone who's leaving comments on the on the site? Yeah, so this one is one I've been struggling with, with for a little while. So I currently have an offset um, facility to my mortgage. So any savings that I have while I'm saving for a deposit and saving for holidays, I park into that because it means I pay less interest on my mortgage. This is on your, on your own property? Yes, exactly. And so th- this property is very shortly going to be sold and I'm not going to have that offset facility anymore. So I'm just wondering where where do people park their kind of short term savings? So in the you know six months to twelve months, because you know you're going to need that money for the holiday or the wedding or the house or whatever. Uh, so you you don't really want to put it into an ISA unless you're not going to max out your ISA anyway. But you don't really want to put it in stocks and shares either because you could lose it all. So um, short term time frame, yeah. Yeah. So a kind of where do people put it? Good question. So we're talking six to twelve months stuff that's kind of in the budget for for next year or something we've got planned but where yeah. do we keep that money in the short term yeah because i mean you, you don't want to leave it in your current account because you're not going to earn anything on it yeah um but savings accounts are also not particularly attractive at the moment great question um i guess for the minute there are some current accounts out there which offer fairly good uh, interest rates for tends to be relatively small amounts of savings kind of get fi- up to 5% for uh, amounts up to about 3,000 and then kind of 3 to 4% for amounts up to 20,000. Um, so maybe looking into one of those might be good, but it would be, be awesome to hear ideas of other people around the uh, challenge to see what they do with theirs. Yeah, I've seen it uh, posed up on the Property Hub as well because it's you know for property deposits when you're talking anywhere from 20 to 40 to 50 grand, um, you want that money to be earning you something while you're, while you're saving it. Quite right. Okay, excellent. Well, thanks for your for your time this evening, Kylie. Um, I know I've benefited already from uh, from reading your blog and from what we've spoken about this evening. So, thanks for your time. Um, have a really fun time in uh, in Vietnam if we don't speak again on the podcast before then. And yeah, thanks again. Cool. Thanks for having me on. Great. Thanks so much, Kylie. I know I did. I hope you all got quite a lot out of that interview as well. It certainly helped take my uh, desire to get more involved in property investing even higher. So I hope it's had similar impact for other people as well. Because of all the great stuff Kylie had to say, we're running almost up to 40 minutes now. So I'll quickly cover um, a good feel news article of the week and then I'll say au revoir. What I want to share with you is something I read earlier in the week regarding science (laughs) it's the medical advances that we see and how it's helped people's lives and one really really good feel article there's actually a video on it as well and i'll link through to it in the show notes but it's someone who is the 15th person who's had a bionic eye implant and for the first time in 10 years after going blind this individual this uh this man from minnesota in the u.s he got to see his wife for the first time in a decade 
So the concept of the bionic eye implant's fairly complicated. Effectively, they insert a very tiny wafer-like chip with wires attached, which is put in the eye, and then he wears a prosthetic device set into glasses, which is activated, and it sends digital light waves straight to the optic nerve and therefore bypasses his damaged retina, which made him blind in the first place. I'm not an optician or an optometrist, so I don't really know much more about that, but the the video's great, and at first he can only really see outlines, but he his wife sits in front of him and he can obviously see the silhouette of his wife and recognise it to be his wife without her speaking, and then he reaches out to, to touch her hands. Quite a moving video there, and obviously means a lot for those people, but it made me feel good about how science and medical science is progressing and how it gives us all opportunities maybe to recover from problems that people have suffered in the past and haven't been able to and these kind of progressions in medical science are really really quite remarkable um, I actually saw another one this week a very very similar article a guy in Australia who's had a, a bionic hand implant they've taken nerve endings out of his leg and put it into his arm and connected that to the bionic hand and he can pretty much do everything with the hand that, that a normal person can do he can he can, he's even starting to be able to work the reflexes so quickly that he can catch a thrown ball at him. It's absolutely remarkable. So have a look at that video. I'm sure it'll brighten up your day if you need it. Okay, I'll do. You've probably had enough of me again for this week, so let's sign off. Um, great, thank you again. We're coming up to February month end. So you know, I'm sure you guys are excited as I am to fill in your February spreadsheets and to submit your results onto the Money Stepper website. Again, as ever, can I please ask you to do that as quickly as you can in order to allow me to collate those that information before the 10th so the results are timely. It's for you that I want you to submit them quickly because it's not that useful having the results at the end of February towards the end of March if everyone takes quite a long time to get them in. It's better to do the comparisons early while it's still in our heads. My own personal goal on the podcast isn't going too well. I said last week or the week before that I wanted to try and get this into the top 25 uh, and it was currently 54th. This week I'm 106th so I've had a bit of a fall. Um, Now my understanding is how I can get it back up there is to have plenty of ratings and reviews from the listeners of the podcast. So if anyone is listening and they kind of want to give something back to me I would be hugely grateful if you could head on over to iTunes or Stitcher Uh, and leave a rating and review for the podcast. That'll be absolutely rad. (laughs) Thanks very much. Good. One more thing to say, I think. Oh, yeah. As ever, keep on climbing. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.